The gospel is the free gift of the forgiveness of sins and the free gift of the presence of God. Like you're saved from your sin, but you're gifted the God's presence. And there is nothing greater. Happy New Year and welcome back to the Developing Roots and Growing Branches podcast at New Life Evangelical Free Church in Hastings, Minnesota. My name is Paul Arneberg, the host with Pastor Brent Kampelin, and we are glad we've made it to 2023 and we are looking forward to what the Lord will have in store and does have in store for our church and also you individually listening, whether you're part of New Life Church or listening as one of our friends from afar. And by the way, you can listen to this not only on our website, but on all the podcast platforms, whether you're a Google person, which would be Android, or an Apple person, which would be an iPhone, you can listen anywhere or right on our website. We are now, uh, as I mentioned, episode six, continuing our macro large talk discussion about God's ultimate plan for the universe. So just, you know, small topics like that. Uh, Brent, today your your uh, title for this podcast is Redemption, and that is going to focus on a lot of wonderful truths about salvation and and some of those ways that we need to understand it theologically so that we can act on it in that whole theme of learning by doing and and making whole life discipleship. So give us a, a set us up for this podcast today. Yeah, well we've been going through biblical foundations for the last number of episodes where we've been talking about Genesis 1, 2 and 3 and who God is, who we are. Uh, what is sin and what is the curse and how that sort of turns um, our relationship with God upside down and alienates us from God and that we are now uh, living with the curse in our in our being, but also in like how we relate to other people. Then we fast forwarded to the end of the story. What is the new heavens and new earth? What does redemption look like, like over through eternity, being in God's presence, the curse removed, sin, evil, death, crying, pain, mourning, all that gone, mm-hmm. but us now living in the fullness of being a human being on the new earth, uh, living in the perfect stewardship of serving God and bringing him glory in all that we are and all that we do. So we've covered all of that. We've kind of gone on the bookends of the story. Mm-hmm. Now that we know that, we can talk about the whole middle of the Bible. I mean, it's basically from Genesis chapter 12 all the way through Genesis chapter, or uh, Revelation chapter 20. Just 1,100 chapters. Yeah, it's, so, you know, yeah, it's chapters. like the whole Bible is all the story of redemption, and it's God's plan A. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure we start there. Mm-hmm. This is not plan B. This isn't God. This isn't on accident. Yes. God's plan A all along was for him to redeem his people and to redeem his creation, to restore and create a new heavens, a new earth for his presence and his glory to be known Amen. in their perfection. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to talk about that whole middle section of the redemption part, but I want to start here. What are some of the ways that our culture gets, I'll call it a, their salvation story wrong? I think we'll just start with this. There is, there is, we all live by some kind of salvation story. Mm-hmm sort of sewn into us is this deep understanding that something's not quite right. Mm -hmm. And we recognize, and you'll see it sewn through our entire culture, that there are stories being told about how you can be the best you or what matters most or how can you achieve this or what's going to save or redeem you from such and such. And there are story after story of things that have forgotten the bookends of the biblical story, that there's a creator, 
and that we're in it, made in his image and we live for his glory. And then the telos are the goal of creation and the new heavens and new earth. When you forget those, the salvation story gets sideways really fast. Yes, yes. And it, it, the, uh, the misnomer <clears throat> or the misconception that we're only living for this life, whether it's a short life or whether it's the 80 years Moses estimated in Psalm 90, or whether we're really blessed, if it is a blessing to live past 100, because sometimes that's a curse because of the pain and all those things. Uh, we can't live just for this life because even as Solomon said, uh, even if we live a full chronological life, but we don't know God, it's a waste. In fact, it's worse than a waste. We are condemned because we never live up to Christ's model. Yeah. Well, and like you just talk about some of the mottos of our world, mm -hmm. and you can start to see some of these salvation stories coming out. Uh, you be you. Yeah, that's right. Live, live your, your truth. Life. Yeah. I'm sorry, your best life now? Live your best life. Yep. Uh, you only live once. I yep. mean, I, I don't know. You could go down the line. Most of the time, salvation stories in our culture, especially in America, they revolve kind of around two different elements. One is the self. Mm -hmm. It is about self-actualization, finding who I am, asserting who I think I am, and I've defined who I am, and then, and then looking for approval from other people mm, yes. for that reality yes. that, I've, that, I've, that I've decided. That's one. The other one is progress. Hmm. It's innovation and advancement. And all of us are like living, we're living in this like crazy technological world at this moment. Mm -hmm. In the last 20 years, it's Oof. like everything's just been so revolutionized yep. in carrying around a supercomputer in our pockets uh, with a cell phone. Yes. And the amount of connectedness, the amount of uh, new uh, apps and technologies and invasive ways that technology sort of is um, coming into our lives that's a, um, it's usually pitched as a salvation story. Uh -huh. This is going to save you from this. You have a problem in your life, and now we've got an app for it. Yes, and that even reminds me of the, the current trend uh, that transhumanism is yeah. the salvation story nowadays, which is horrific, in my opinion, because uh, even, even the idea of meta, let's upload your consciousness to the cloud, or the idea they want to implant chips in people. I don't know if you've heard about these stories, but various uh, globalists are saying this, that somehow they can live forever by their consciousness being preserved. That is not God's will. And in fact, it's selling short the wonderful, we are going to die naturally or, or be radical captured perhaps, but we need to see that there's hope well beyond this world. We can live 100 years old and be healthy and have billions of dollars, but if we don't have the Lord, it's worse than being a stillborn, according to Ecclesiastes and Solomon. Yeah, and really, the when you look at the salvation stories that are sort of told around us, um, you can when you start to think about them, you can identify they, they will tell you what people believe about what they should be saved from and what they're saved for. Yes. And the biblical story points. completely turn, has a different you know, version of that. But if, if your salvation is self-actualization, like I need to sort of live my best life, then um, the thing I'm saved from is uh, obscurity. Mm. The, thing I, the thing I'm saved from is not being known. The thing, I, the thing I'm saved from is uh, not being recognized. Uh, there's all these things about um, sort of asserting yourself, and you mm -hmm. say, well, that's my deepest flaw, my deepest problem. Um, it, 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 misses, it really misses the whole boat. Uh, but then, like, the solution is then to be known and be recognized and have people look at you and say, you're doing a great job. I'm going to put a like next to that exactly thing that you like. post. Yep. You know, and then that's somehow supposed to fulfill. But the, the research that's out there now is that that is actually eroding. That's actually causing an unbelievable amount of damage to yes. especially young people mm -hmm. as they look for um, 
fulfillment in other people's recognition of them, mm-hmm. you end up living enslaved to needing those people to like you day by day. And it yes. is the most, um, it's a path towards destruction Yes, and not flourishing. So, uh, so all that aside, I'm, I'm sure many of you listening could probably come up with some other illustrations about ways that our world sort of promises a salvation mm-hmm. and we've only scratched the surface. Let's talk about the biblical yes. answer. Um, so what are we saved from? One of the, one of the passages that just right at the beginning of the New Testament is in the gospel of Matthew chapter one, the angels appear to Joseph and Mary, and Joseph and Mary in the early parts of the gospels, um, are told in plain language, you're going to bear a son and his name will be Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Like the gospels just lay it out straight right there. The main problem you have is sin and the savior you need is going to save you from your sin. That's right. Yeshua literally means the Lord saves, Yeshua or Joshua. Yeah, and that connects to our, you know, our conversation about Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 3. Place, putting yourself in the place of God, um, seeking to, uh, to find your own path towards what you think is the right way to flourish, but then also seeing strife between people, alienated relationship with God, uh, now my inner being is is cursed with sin, and I'm enslaved to that sin. Um, I need to be saved from myself. Like I need Absolutely. to be saved from. I need to be saved from the sinner that I am. Um, and so uh, that's the savior we need is one who came to save us from sin. Uh, then the question then follows: Then what are we saved for? Mm-hmm. And one of the themes that comes up throughout the scriptures is the presence of God. Mm. And one of the ways I like to describe mm-hmm. the gospel is the gospel is the free gift of the forgiveness of sins and the free gift of the presence of God. Yes. Like you're saved from your sin, but you're gifted the God's presence. Yes. And there is nothing greater, nothing greater mm-hmm. to be near to God and than being near to God. And so um, throughout the scriptures, you see God's presence, um, the Adam and Eve banished from God's presence, but then God's program of redemption begins with him um, choosing Abraham and then his family line. And through that family line, you have the tabernacle and the temple are the presence of God with his people in the Holy of Holies. And they, uh, come to worship him and their entire life as a whole, as a people revolve around relating to God through that, uh, system that foreshadows the coming of Christ. Yes. And then you see this biblical story go to, Jesus himself, the very pinnacle and climax of the presence of God personally on earth with us in the incarnation. And then as Jesus ascends and he gives us his Holy Spirit, the Spirit now indwells us Mm -hmm. as God's presence with us day by day, moment by moment, as a a seal and a foretaste of the perfect presence of God in the new heavens and new earth. It's like the presence of God is the thread that ties the whole scriptures together. That's right. Yep. And it's the it's the goal, it's the beginning, or well, the Alpha and Omega, really. It's the beginning and the yes. end, the presence of God. And that's a tender truth because he wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to not have us grieve the Spirit by outwardly sinning and certainly not by having unredeemed sin. We need to have all our sins nailed to the cross so we can have that restoration, not only vertically, which is, of course, the most important, like the greatest commandment, love the Lord thy God, but then also horizontally, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Both are restored in Christ, and that is, uh, tell you, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, the relational restoration and redemption is the thing we can look forward to right now and forever. 
Yes. And one of the things I want everybody to just make sure is really, um, really clear or helpful, I, I, w- I would hope, is it, when, you're living, when you're living in this life apart from Christ, you're um, living in this track or this reality of, um, uh, of, of what the Bible calls um, the present evil age. It's, mm-hmm. it's like you're, you're living in this plane of existence. Mm-hmm. When Jesus saves you and you become a new creation— and your inner being is regenerated. It's like you then transfer to the 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 age to come, like yes. the the coming kingdom, which starts now. It's already, but it's not in its fullness, or it's not yet. In that the new heavens and new earth has not been you know cr- done in in its fullness. Um, we still live with the presence of sin, but not under the power of sin anymore. And it's like you just moved from one kingdom to another, the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And like you need that kind of redemption. It's not just a self-actualization. Yes. It's like you need to go from one mo- like mode of existence to another. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like something deeper inside you needs to change. It reminds me of when Paul wrote, your life is hidden with Christ in God. That way, if you're killed right now on the way home today in a car, you're instantly with Christ to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. You are hidden with Christ and God, and that goes back to eternity has already started for the believer, and there's no break. There's like you're suddenly with the Lord, and that's an, an amazing truth that yeah. we can look forward to the security daily for the believer and also the new creation that you alluded to in, in 2 Corinthians 5, yep. 17. Yep. So there's some... You're right, and and there's some key passages here that we just want to draw yes. the attention to the listeners because when you talk about what is redemption, we just want to make sure the gospel is really clear. Yes. So a, a few of them is we've already established Jesus came to save us from our sin. We need God's presence, mm-hmm. and apart from God, um, it's meaningless. And yes. and so how, how how does that happen? Well, what redemption is today, what redemption is in the gospel um, right now is a transformation of our inner being that in John chapter three, Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus and he just says straight, straight up to him, you must be born again. Mm-hmm. You know, Nicodemus has a hard time understanding that. And I probably would have too in that yeah. moment and be like, wait a second, I have to be born again. Mm-hmm. But he's meaning like there's a, there's a transformation in your inner being because go back to Genesis three. The problem of the curse is not that we've somehow like, we don't know the right techniques to live. It's not like a technical problem. Mm-hmm. It's that something deeper inside us has been cursed mm-hmm. and is marred and is like enslaved. So you need to, like your inner being needs to be redeemed. And from there, then obedience flows. It's like you don't do it the other way around yes. where obedience somehow earns you some kind of favor with God. It's like let God give you the gift of a of a new heart. Mm-hmm. And then everything else flows from that. Yes. And that's how the New Testament describes what it means to come into relationship with God in a proper way. Yes. So John 3, that's an important one, mm-hmm. to be born again. Yes. What are some other ones, Paul, that we talked about? I love uh, Romans 10, partly because <clears throat> one of my jugheads years ago uh, became saved around his junior year of high school, and he, he directly told me it's because of Romans 10, 9, and 10. This is ESV. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes and is justified, and with a mouth one confesses and is saved. So it's that easy. 
easy, as the old Ginsu knife commercials would say. Now, I don't mean sacrilegious. I'm saying that if you believe and confess, you're saved. But back to your point, Brent, once we're saved, we need to see the fruit and the good works that follow salvation. If we don't, well, then maybe those words were just words. They need to be sincere. They need to be effectual. And they need to be tested by our continual walking with the Lord after that moment or that season of salvation. I was raised Catholic, so I still can't say when I was saved. I think I might have been as a ninth grade Catholic <laughs> in CCD class. Yeah. Uh, but I would say that uh, once I asked John Piper, my former pastor, hey, I, I can't point to a day when I did confess with my mouth and I did it, you know, the day, the first day I did that. And he said, well, what matters is right now, do you believe? Are you walking with the Lord now? So that gave me assurance as a 22-year-old college student. Yeah, and really we see God, like there's a process of sanctifying that God does that we are made holy in a single act as we surrender to the Lord Jesus and he redeems us. Yes. So in his sight, we are holy. But as we live day to day, we still make mistakes and we still sin. And yes. so um, the status of being holy is secure by Christ's blood. Mm-hmm. The process of becoming more Christ-like is something that God does by the work of the Spirit in us as we walk in obedience with him, as we continually deeper surrender yes. our life to him in all the different facets of who we are. So redemption is this moment of, 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 of transferring from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Yes. And, and then God like, lets us live into that character of Christ over time. Yeah, I love the verb tenses and the prepositions. <clears throat> you th- say the phrase, we were saved when Jesus died on the cross. We are being saved through the process of sanctification, and we will be saved once we get our new body on the new heavens and the new earth. So it's really a threefold thing, and it's constant. And then, of course, once we get that final new body on the new earth, it's complete. And that's when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, the work was finished, and now we're in the process of earning, or not, excuse me, not earning, we're in the process of working out the salvation, as it were, according to Philippians 2, 12, and 13. Our attitude is, we are striving, but it's only in God's grace, because it's him who is in us to will and to work according to his good purpose and pleasure. That's Philippians 2, 12, and 13. You were going to mention Titus 3 as well. Yeah, and I think this is probably a good place to conclude, because this passage ties together so many of the themes we've been talking about in the multiple episodes at this point. When you look back at the story of Scripture from beginning to end, uh, God in his kindness has looked upon us, the, the very sinners who looked at him and said, mm, thanks God, I'm going to do it my way. Mm-hmm. And in his love and kindness, he said, I'm going to shower you with my mercy and grace. Mm. You don't deserve to be redeemed. Yes, that's right. <laughs> like the, the just thing to do is condemnation. Yes. But... Um, God in his mercy and grace has said, I'm going to form, I'm going to redeem a people and I'm going to form these people for my glory. And the trajectory that you're on now that you're a part of my kingdom is that you get to share as an heir of the inheritance of eternal life to be in my presence forever and to be, you know, these stewards of, of, of creation for my glory. And it's like all a gift mm-hmm. because we aren't deserving of it at all. So there's this incredible humility that comes when you recognize who God is, what our original created purposes as his image bearers, how we've so messed that up. Mm -hmm. And the redemption that we need is in our inner being flowing out to every area of our life and ultimately in the resurrection body in the new heavens and new earth that uh, Titus chapter three really captures all of that. So let me read. Yes. This is Titus three, starting in verse three. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. 
But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. That's awesome. the whole picture. Yeah. Like that, that we, we too were foolish. We were, we were living mm-hmm. in rebellion against God. And no matter how hard you try mm-hmm. to do the right things and you cannot balance the scale to like be holy and righteous in God's sight and your own strength, yes. you've got to surrender to Jesus as Lord, ask him for forgiveness as Savior, receive that new life as he makes you, causes you to be born again by the Spirit, then you're living on this entirely new reality uh, as you as you live into the being an heir of eternal life as God sanctifies. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful picture. Well, now we're going to have a guest with us, uh, Tiffany Newharth, who is a member of New Life and also the co-founder and executive director of Rise Up Recovery, which is a uh, recovery ministry here locally in our own community. So we're just so grateful that you're here. Um, we've been talking about redemption and about um, especially you know, us as image bearers and our need for our restored relationship with God, but also with each other. Um, What have you seen? And you can talk about your own life. You can talk about some in your ministry. Um, What is it inside of us that really needs to be redeemed? Like what, in what ways have you seen that um, redemption God has done in your own life? Oh my goodness. (laughs) And when we talk about being dead in our sin Mm -hmm. and, uh, before Christ, when I was active in substance use and addiction and mental health, I mean, literally insanity, um, I had no ability to relate to other people, not in a healthy way or a productive way, Yeah. right? It was very self-centered, very chaos-driven, mm-hmm. um, very fear-driven. And so there was this deep, desperate need, honestly, for salvation, for somebody to save me. Yeah. Because I couldn't do it myself. No matter how many treatments, no matter how many times I um, tried these five tips for self-transformation, you know, it was empty and it was dead. Um, I needed heart change. Um, I needed mind transformation. Yeah. That even no amount of reading those self-help books would make it stick. Yep. Yeah, that's amazing. And you're something that we've talked about a lot is just our need for connection, but our relationship with God to be restored. Just talk to me about your experience with that, but also in the ministry um, at Rise Up, the importance of relationship, the importance of connection, the importance of us coming near to the Lord and then seeing that change how we relate to other people. Yeah. I say, you know, Mm -hmm. so often that disconnection is death, but to have connection that the opposite of addiction or some of these other things that we struggle with, the opposite of that isn't actually recovery, it's connection. Mm-hmm. Deep, meaningful, profound connection. And first and foremost, that has to be with Christ. Yep. Um, he's the one who teaches us how to connect. And I can't even connect without him teaching me how to, mm-hmm. right? And so, yes, drawing near to him, but even more so him drawing near to us. Yes. As I'm working with people and, and rise up, one of the favorite attributes of God that, that we talk about is him as our good shepherd. Yeah. That it's his responsibility to kind of guide us and lead us and, and shepherd us and um, 
and, and teach us and protect us and all those yep. things, right? Um, that's one of the big things that I see with people is they come in so broken, mm-hmm. broken and confused and not trusting of anyone yeah. or anything, yep. you know, because that, that, I mean, just horror stories that we, yep. we hear with people. And all of a sudden they start to learn about God and that God is loving. And yeah. when they really take a look, yep. an honest look, they can see how he's been working in their lives to draw them to him all along, even yep. through horrific situations, yep. right? Even before they had a relationship with him, still him at work drawing them to himself. And and all of a sudden when they get that revelation of like, wait, there's a good God who loves me, who wants to have connection with me, who wants to heal me and restore me, um, then all of a sudden that opens up doors for them to connect in a meaningful way to other people also. Yeah, it transforms everything. And we were we were just reading earlier in the episode from Titus chapter three that God initiated, like in his we were we were like lost, broken and and like rebellious and all the things that is like the curse of sin in our lives as we are doing life apart from God. And it's like in his love and kindness, he he reached out and he sort of plucks us out of the the muck and the mire and the darkness and in a, of our sin and his transforming work is really what redeems and saves us. Like there's no effort on our own that we could possibly do to get ourselves out of that situation. Um, I've seen that in my own life and you have too. And, and I'm sure that, you know, people listening can, can relate um, if you're following the Lord, but that, that begins with a restored relationship with God. And as we are restored to relationship with God, because our sins are forgiven and we're made new washed, by the rebirth of the Holy Spirit, as that Titus passage said, we're welcomed into the very presence of God. And then God begins to do this miraculous transforming work. Sometimes sometimes not as quickly as we would like sometimes, but he, he begins to do this transforming miraculous work in, in, uh, uh, in us walking in a completely different path. How have you seen some of that either in your own life, but also in the, in the ministry at Rise Up? You see people transformed in like living in the light now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not just them, but but the impact that makes on other relationships too. Yeah. Family members. And, you know, I can think of one story in particular of a person who came in and literally this person was so riddled with fear mm. and mistrust for people. They didn't have any family members that were connected with them. Mm. Um, major rejection issues and abandonment kind of stuff. Yeah. And just to watch the Lord work in this person's heart and life. And for them, right, we talk about rejection and abandonment and those kind of roots um, that can propel people into some pretty deep, dark places. But the antidote of that is, well, look, now you're adopted and you have, you're a part of a family and you're accepted in the beloved as you are while God's working on you to transform you to be even better. But the striving ceases, the sort of, we call it hustling for worthiness. You don't have to hustle for worthiness anymore. You know, now all of a sudden this person um, comes to the group and is able to be themselves and have conversation and connect with people and and restored relationships within their family because yep. it's not chaos anymore. And, you know, so it impacts so much, not just for that person, yes. but for the relationships around them. We see just, I mean, generations yeah. transformed because God does such a work in this one person. Yep. It's incredible. Yeah, it is incredible. And that's where you see, um, like, you're living in a different 
reality. Like you start to you start to live into a different reality that goes on for eternity. As you're now part of the kingdom of God, you're starting to see um, you're starting to see this putting back together of what it means to truly be God's creature, God's image bearer, someone made in his image with purpose and with God's love, um, God's grace and his favor on you because you're his child. Like all of that starts to go, well, I, so like in our world, uh, people are, um, a lot of the, I'll call it maybe like the deeper like sicknesses of like our, of, of ourselves is uh, it, we will we'll end up isolated. We end up um, sort of going down the road of trying to achieve things on our own and we get burned out. Um, there's like a lack of peace. There's like this inner turmoil and it starts to affect everything of who we are. And then when you see the redemption that God does as he, as he saves us, you see, start to see those things come back into alignment with God and his ways. And, mm-hmm. and that, I mean, like redemption is this fully orbed thing where it starts in your heart, but then it starts to affect everything. And you start to live like you're a part of the eternal kingdom today. Mm-hmm. It's like this glorious and beautiful thing. So that's really amazing. Well, and even talking about the image of God, yeah. right? And going back to that, I can't tell you how often I see people coming from this perception of consumption. Yeah. Not just consuming goods and drugs, and but people. Them consuming yep. and, and, and so that image of God being marred um, apart from Christ. Yep. And so all of a sudden relationships, it's a consumer type of relationship. And, and many people so wounded by that perspective too, yep. that all of a sudden as God transforms that and they see value not only in themselves, but in yes. other people. Yep. And that honor and that respect and yep. there's so much healing that takes place in that too. Yeah, and so relationships aren't transactional anymore. Yes. You get to serve and love and care for others and put them above yourself. Um, it flips everything upside down and it brings healing to those situations. Yes. And that is, that's that's so beautiful um, in the way that God says, lets his glory be seen through the redemption of all those different facets of who we are. And it starts to like, all the different layers of who we are. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a beautiful process. And the image of God is such a powerful, um, and we've been talking about stewardship in some of the previous episodes. And something that occurred to me and we were talking before the episode is how stewardship, we sometimes think of it purely in terms of our vocation or work. And we, we did talk about that. One of our episodes, we got, you know, got in some of the nitty gritty of vocation and what it means to work for God's glory. But you can be a steward of relationships, and a steward of relationships is where you view my relationship with someone, whether that's a spouse or a family member or a friend or a coworker or even an acquaintance or a neighbor. How can I steward this relationship for fruitful glory of God, for fruitful relationship, for the love and care of that person, for their flourishing? Mm-hmm. That is like a completely different concept than the way if you sort of live in the reality of this world, you'll, you'll, you'll use people. And you'll use relationships as transactions and it ends up destroying you and the people that you relate to. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, any other thoughts just in terms of the image of God or, um, or redemption and some of the stories that you've seen? Um, we talked about connection. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that, uh, you know, also that concept of isolation is death and connection is life. It's like, yep. if I'm going to get, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm going to sort of isolate, uh, I'll wither away. Yep. But I need to be connected to God. I need to be connected to the vine, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And then I, 
like the life just flows into me from him. And then I get to be an ambassador of that connection and life to other people. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that the ministry at rise up has been growing. Um, Tiffy and I often have some good conversations about what it's like to like be leading, uh, something that's, that's growing and adding new teammates and, and all the various things that are involved in that. Can you just talk to me about the impact that the people who serve in rise up in your staff or volunteers, what kind of an impact does it make as they follow the Lord and are like watching God do the work in other people and then God's using them to be a part of that? It is exponentially faith building. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, on a personal level, I would not be able to handle yeah. what we're walking through without the Lord. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and that connection is so apt. And I can... I can feel it. I can feel mm-hmm. a day that I don't intentionally spend that time or I cut it short. It's, I mean, night and day difference, right? And our team too. It's like, yeah. we're so intentional about having corporate prayer time. And as you guys know, right, how mm-hmm. crucial that is. But as they see God work and move, as people continue to surrender their lives more, it's yep. so faith building for them of like, whoa, yeah, God moves in their life and even talking about this sort of image of God, like there's no background. I mean, I've seen and encountered some of the darkest of dark backgrounds. Um, And I won't go into specifics, but you can imagine, right? People coming Mm -hmm. out of addiction and criminal lifestyle and some of the things and all of it. Nothing is too far gone for the Lord to redeem. Amen. And as we, we see people come in our doors so broken and with these situations that, are seemingly impossible to overcome. Yeah. And we watch the Lord intervene. Yeah. And it's like, holy buckets. Yeah. It's so awesome. It, it is so awesome. It's humbling and you recognize, man, I need the Lord too. And it's so cool to see him working. Yeah. Um, it makes me want to surrender more to the Lord. I, I, I love it. You say it's faith building. I feel that. And like, mm-hmm. I, I know that those who are also involved with, um, you know, where our church is growing and, leaders who are involved here at New Life. Um, We've seen God stretch and grow our faith because as we're living into the redemption of like who he's creating us to be as his people. um, I I talked about this a few weeks ago. Like there's only one wonderful counselor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's only one God who's got power uh, to do the transformation. There's only, and we're going to talk about God's love this coming, you know, these coming weeks. And and, and as we look at, you know, we've looked at Christmas, um, the Advent season really affirms uh, God's transforming work through Jesus to, to, to bring us into a new relationship with him and then to transform every layer of who we are. Mm-hmm. And it's just beautiful. So yeah. thank you for sharing all of that. It's yeah. been wonderful uh, to have you here as a guest. That'll wrap up episode six of Deepening Roots and Growing Branches here at New Life Evangelical Free Church. Our guest has been Tiffany Newharth, and we thank you for listening, whether you're a New Life person or whether you're listening from afar. I'm Paul Arneberg with sound engineer Paul Cravens and Pastor Brent Compelin. We'll see you in episode seven coming up very soon on Roots and Branches.